Wow. I don't know about y'all, but I'm a little bit uncomfortable. <coughs> that was intense. A little bit awkward. I mean, it's not very often that somebody exposes their deepest fear about who they think they are, at least not publicly. Regrets, lonely, betrayed, sad, stupid, anxious, <coughs> loser. We don't often share these types of feelings about ourselves with other people, but I'd wager that we all have them, at least sometimes. We bury ourselves with labels. We absolutely kill ourselves believing the worst about who we are or feeling like our very worst moments, our lowest points, somehow define us. Oftentimes we do it to ourselves, but sometimes other people label us. Either way, we can feel so burdened that we are just overwhelmed. And we think that we need to keep who we are a secret. We think that we need to hide our true selves. Groucho Marx is credited with saying, I refuse to join any club that would have me as a member. <laughs> we think if people really knew us, they wouldn't want to have anything in the world to do with us. I mean, at times, these labels are so impossibly heavy that it colors everything we do. Because while we desperately try to hide who we are, while we try to hide our secrets and our struggles, we simultaneously suspect that everybody already knows the truth anyway, right? It's kind of like Professor Dumbledore. He completely nails it at the end of the first movie, right after Harry Potter has defeated Voldemort and he's up in the hospital wing. Dumbledore says to him, we've kept what happened a secret. So naturally, everybody knows. We think we may as well be wearing a big, ugly sign around our necks. My biggest fear, the thing about me that I think I need to hide from everybody, but I'm pretty sure that most people already realize, is I'm not enough. I'm not pretty enough, I'm not thin enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm certainly not fun enough. I'm not a good enough mother or wife or housekeeper or friend. I cannot please everybody enough. I'm not a good enough pastor or preacher. I'm just not enough, y'all. I am certainly not spiritual enough. And I don't think I'm the only person that feels that way. I think at times we all feel a little bit like frauds. I mean, we say we're Christian. We show up at church. We're all here on a holiday weekend. And, but we wonder, because our lives are so messy, we wonder, can we with any integrity at all call ourselves Christian? Can we call ourselves spiritual? 
We have these images of what spiritual people look like in our heads. I imagine that truly spiritual people pray all day long. They read their Bibles constantly. Of course, they can quote scripture, every single verse in the Bible. They never get angry. They never get rattled. We think of these otherworldly, eccentric saint types, and we imagine that they possess special powers, that they somehow have the inside track on God. And then we look in the mirror, and it may as well be cracked like this one on our table because the image that we see reflected back seems so broken. We think, surely spiritual people don't look like that. Spiritual people, they don't have regrets. They don't get depressed or feel guilty or get angry. They certainly don't ever resent their families or eat too much or get divorced or have addictions. They don't have doubts or fears or insecurities. Midlife crises? <sighs> no. Feelings of inadequacy, unworthiness. And I know that they do not binge watch Netflix. They don't have time. Well, with all that praying and Bible reading and all that service work, still we come to church, right? At least some of the time. Some of us a lot of the time. And we pray, but we wonder, do we pray enough? Do we do it right? Y'all, a few years ago, I was trying to get into the habit of praying with my girls every single morning before school. And one morning, as Michaela was getting out of the car to go get on the bus, I remembered that we had not prayed yet. So I scream out the window after her, oh my gosh, we forgot to pray. I love you. Amen. I might have embarrassed her. Y'all, your pastor is not spiritual enough. So I wear this sign. Not enough. And I wonder, is there a spirituality for me? Is there a spirituality for the vast majority of us who are not in monasteries or convents, who don't have it all together and likely never will? I ask myself, are we too messy for God? There's a story in the Bible about a man who doesn't wear a sign, but if he did, it would say, unclean. Listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Mark. This is from Eugene Peterson's The Message. A leper came to him, that is Jesus, begging on his knees. If you want to, you can cleanse me. Deeply moved, Jesus put out his hand, touched him, and said, I want to. Be clean. Then and there, the leprosy was gone, his skin smooth and healthy. Jesus dismissed him with strict orders, saying nothing to anyone. Take the offering for cleansing that Moses prescribed and present yourself to the priest. This will validate your healing to the people. But as soon as the man was out of earshot, he told everyone he met what had happened, spreading the news all over town. So Jesus kept to the out-of-the-way places, no longer able to move freely in and out of the city. But people found him and came from all over. This is the word of God. 
The leper is unclean. And he can't hide it. It's all over his skin. Now we know that the word leprosy that we read in the Bible can refer to any number of skin ailments, some of which are much more contagious than others. But at that time, it was feared that all forms of leprosy were very contagious. So the leper, he's not only sick, he's a social outcast because people are afraid to be around him. They certainly wouldn't touch him for fear of infecting themselves or at the very least becoming ritually unclean. And if that happens, then that person has to go be ritually cleansed by a priest, which takes a sacrifice. It gets really complicated. So what you need to know is when the leper approaches Jesus, he's breaking the law. Clearly, he's desperate. Likely, he's heard something about this Jesus guy that compels him to disregard the law because he's taking a huge risk. Legally, he's supposed to stay on the outskirts of town. He's not supposed to come into town and be around people. And while he's not required to wear a sign, he is required to shout a warning if he encounters anybody. He's supposed to say, unclean, unclean so that they can protect themselves from being infected. Jesus, though, when this leper drops to his knees before him and begs, if you want to, you could cleanse me, Jesus does the exact opposite. It is a powerful image. A desperate and broken man on his knees offering his infected, messy, leprous self to Jesus. The courage and vulnerability of that man is stunning. When is the last time that you exposed your messiness? your deepest, darkest secrets to anyone? When's the last time you stopped hiding? When's the last time that you offered your whole self, warts and all, to another person and you said, here I am, this is me, this is who I am. I am not perfect, my life is not perfect, in fact, I'm a mess. But here I am. For most of us, maybe it's been a very long time, or never. Because y'all, the fear is real that we will be judged or rejected or humiliated. Our closest friends and family, they may know an awful lot about us. They may see us at some of our lowest points, but even with them, it's not always easy to allow ourselves to be fully known, fully seen, touched. Now, I do want you to hear this disclaimer. Hear this. It is not always safe to expose all of who we are to just anybody. And it's not always appropriate. Please don't be like my friend who tells the person pumping gas next to her about all her neuroses and her childhood traumas. <laughs> she would laugh with us. She knows this about herself. 
We do have to use discretion and good judgment. But y'all, we can all trust Jesus. We can be real with him. On his knees, the leper begs, if you want, you can make me clean. And Jesus doesn't do any of the things that we might expect him to, or maybe the things that we fear, or the things that we've experienced at some point in our lives. Jesus, Scripture says, was deeply moved. And in the Greek that that's translated from, it's much stronger than that. It could be better understood, Jesus couldn't help himself. The Greek implies that Jesus had this intense emotional response to this man's vulnerability and a response of compassion viscerally propels him to act on this man's behalf. Jesus couldn't help himself, so he put out his hand and he said to the man, I want to be clean. And he touched him. Deep compassion compels Jesus into an act of intimacy and kindness that this man had likely not experienced in a very long time. And it made him clean. And here's the thing. This is the thing that we oftentimes don't realize. It's easy to overlook when we read this story. Is that in the instant that Jesus touches the leper... He becomes unclean. And not just ritually. He becomes unclean socially, much more broadly, because the man goes around blabbing to everybody what happened. So now Jesus can't come openly into the towns. He has to stay on the outskirts, out in the countryside, unclean. Jesus takes that man's mess and he makes it his own. Today we begin a new sermon series called Messy Spirituality, and it's based on a book by Michael Iaconelli, and the premise is really simple. People are messy. The world is messy, life is messy, and spirituality, whatever that means, is messy. So over the next several weeks, we're going to explore questions like, how is it that we try to fix our own messes through spiritual perfectionism? Or how is it that we let our messy pasts get in the way of our spiritual lives? And we'll talk about how the spirituality that we practice is often a huge mess. For today, know this, a little bit of a spoiler alert, but I'm sure you're catching on. As we begin to get real, as we get honest about our messiness, our brokenness, We can be confident that Jesus loves us because Jesus loves messy people. I mean, the Bible is full of messy people, y'all. Go back and read about Noah. Sure, he saved humanity by building a big boat when everybody thought he was crazy, but do you remember what happened when he got off that boat? It's not pretty. Abraham and Sarah, matriarch and patriarch of our faith, They hit some interesting challenges and made some odd choices along their way. 
There's Lot, Solomon, Rahab, King David. He is, he is lifted up as a man after God's own heart. And he stole another man's wife. And after he got her pregnant, killed the husband to hide his sin. And then just think about the people that Jesus hung out with. He hung out with prostitutes and tax collectors and adulterers, the poor, the sick, the unclean. And then there's the 12 apostles. They were clueless half the time. They were disloyal. They were faithless. All of this is at least in part what landed Jesus on the cross. Iaconale says it was this preposterous idea that common, ordinary, broken, messed up people could be godly. And then it drove people crazy that Jesus criticized the supposedly perfect religious types while he openly and freely and fully accepted the messy people, the unchurched people, the non-religious. Jesus' insistence that anyone could be spiritual was a huge scandal. The entire Bible is one long narrative of a people of faith, people who claim faith in God, getting into one mess after another. So Iaconale audaciously suggests that in messy spirituality that messiness is the workshop of authentic spirituality. It's the greenhouse of faith. It's the place where the real Jesus meets the real us. And if his hypothesis has any merit at all, then we have got to find the courage to get real, to stop pretending, to admit that we don't have it all together, and we likely never will, at least not this side of paradise. We're broken, like this mirror on the table, like these plates on the table, like the leper. And if we'll stop hiding, if we'll get real, if we'll fall to our knees before Jesus, the man who wants to touch us, he wants to enter into, even share in our messy lives. He can't help himself. That's who Jesus is. And he is forever reminding us of who we are in him. <laughs>